And it is Jared of the GM live from Beaton Terry's Tavern. One hour to pregame, two hours to puck drop, preds and caps. As we're here, the animal is here, Floyd Reese. And, uh, you know, I, I, we're pro-charity, I'll just say that. Jared and the GM are very pro-charity <laughs> around here. And, uh, he, and you're, you're killing him. I, I didn't he say he's not charity. charity. He I didn't say charity. he's not. I just said we are. Uh, by the way, the Marcus Mariota approval poll is out. 53% say they approve of Mariota. 34% say no. 13% say they have no opinion. But, Floyd, it is time for <laughs> it is time for you and the people in your weekly Q&A. GM speaks. A little bit of the personality. Everybody listens. They understand every situation. And we're giving you exclusive access to Pick the Brain of former Titans GM Floyd Reese. Brought to you by Pella Windows of Nashville and Bob Steak and Job House. Call 615-737-1025 now. You're never going to make a mistake. This is Ask the GM. Ask the GM is brought to you by Bob Steak and Chop House and Pella Windows of Nashville. And again, the best question for the GM We'll receive a pair of tickets to see Thomas Rhett at Bridgestone Arena this Saturday. Get excited for that. We start off with Mike, who's up first on Ask the GM. Mike, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. So, hey, Floyd, last night, or last, yeah, I guess afternoon, you and Corp were having a discussion about the Titans going from an 8-8 eight and eight team to a 10-plus win team, and I was really appreciating the discussion that you guys had in. I wanted to toss in a question, though. So if the Titans are trying to get to that level, your suggestion is they have to fix the offensive line, they got to do some other things. I'm looking at, like, the other divisions in the league where they're chasing the Patriots and the, the Jets and the Dolphins. For, like, the last decade plus, they've been trying to beat the Patriots, but they can't. So, you know, you fix the first problem, but then three, four years later you got – the new problems that are the old problems are the same problems that are back. So again, like we've been trying for a decade to get this team to be a 10 to 12 win team, but we're chasing the, the mentality that we have to catch the Patriots. We have to do everything else. So again, how does the GM, I guess, try to fix something over a five, 10 year period when they see that what they fixed is not working? I know it's a loaded question. It's kind of confusing, but I knew you'd help me out. Yeah, that, it's really a pretty good question. The it, the part that's difficult, and and I agree with you a thousand percent. I think you can. The the truth is this: you can put together a roster that is as good as any roster in the league. If you play a team that, for whatever reason, style of play, quarterback, whatever the reason is, that has figured out a way to beat you, you you know, the chances of you running second best all the time are really high. And I think that's the killer part. I mean, we've gone through at least a couple of times in my career, we've had what was universally recognized as as the best team in the league. But then you play Baltimore, the Ravens, and you throw an interception, and it costs you the game. And therein, you know, lies the crux. Now, at the end of that game, we had, I want to say, 400-plus yards offense. They had, like, 100. 
we had every stat across the board in our favor, except we had an interception, and Ray Lewis ran it in for a touchdown, and we lost the game. And so you have to live with that, live with the fact that even though your team may, may be better, that you are going to struggle to win these games. Now, as far as the Titans now getting to 10 wins, I mean, it's strictly a matter of getting into these games. Last week is a great example. You've got a game that is within reach. You have to score 10 points to win that game. Vrabel goes out, tries to kick the field goal to get the first part of the 10, and you can't do it. Kicker misses it. Well, now you're in trouble because now you have to find out a way to pick. You've got to pick up really 14 points. And so you figure out, we haven't been able to drive against this team all, all night long. How are we going to be able to do it twice in a row? And the chances of that happening just aren't very high. Um, but I think you're going to have options. You can have opportunities to win games if somebody can come along and make a play for you. And that's the difference. The teams that 8-8, eight and eight, you know, nobody really makes a play, but they don't give up a play. Players, teams that win 10, somebody or some buddies along the way have found a way to make a couple of plays for you to get you the extra win. The teams that only win six, just the opposite of that happens. Let's go to Dave, who's up next on Ask the GM, presented by Bob's Take a Chop House in Pellet Windows of Nashville. Dave, go ahead. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. My question for you, <clears throat> for you is really looking at, the Preds line up and Kelly Yarncroke right now. He had a pretty rough season last season, and so far he hasn't exactly come out swinging this season and made a little bit of a turnaround like Turris. We've got some young guns up behind him that are looking pretty hot. How long do you let it go before you start having to have the mindset from the GM of saying, look, Kelly, if you don't turn it around, something's going to have to go here. And what does that look like from your perspective when we do have a solid roster and one of the – Technically, senior members of that roster isn't doing what he's supposed to do. I'll shut up and listen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. The, uh, the part that's interesting here is he's actually going to get his shot tonight. Didn't you say they were going to yep, move Yeah, he's moving up. up to the first line. He's moving up to the first line, so he's going to get an opportunity, which in a pro sport, that's all you can ask for. You know, I need a chance. Please give me a chance. And, uh, you know, he's going to be first line tonight. You can't ask for a better chance than that. But he's got to find a way to prove to, you know, somebody, coach, GM, whoever it is, that he deserves to be here. And, you know, I think in this new offense, as diverse as it's going to be, I think there'll be a bunch of guys like him that may actually get a chance to do that. And if they can do that and find a spot and, and count on that spot, then they've got a chance to, you know, have a career here. Uh, and, he, you know, I don't know for how long, but for a while. Uh, but if they can't do that, if they can't find that spot, then they're going to be in trouble, I think. I think Yarncroke, I mean, he, to me, Yarncroke is a prototypical bottom six, third, fourth line guy. And you, I mean, I know they're putting him up on the first line. Yarncroke's not good enough to be a, a top six forward, but he never was. That's why he makes $2 million and the other guys make eight, you know. So I don't. We get too worked up about yarn croak. I will say this though: two years ago, when he got hurt uh, against Winnipeg before the playoffs, that was a huge blow to this team. The way he was playing, and right. you wonder if that's affected him 
you know, over the long haul because he has not been as good as he was then. Let's go to Chris, who's up next on Ask the GM, presented with Bob Steak and Chop House and Pella Winners in Nashville. Chris, you're on with the GM. Yes, sir. appreciate you taking my call. I just wanted to ask Floyd uh, a question about who is the stupidest in this question. Now, there's three uh, people I want to talk about. One was um, uh, um, Richard Sherman on Monday night after the Monday night football game telling everybody that Baker Mayfield didn't shake his hand, which the cameras blatantly pointed out that he did. Uh, B, ESPN ran with that story on Tuesday morning without checking out their facts to make sure that that was the case, which it was the case because he did shake his hand. And, and C, was the Kansas Jayhawks, who are already in a little trouble with the NCAA and, and even the FBI investigating with the shoe companies, why they invited Snoop Dogg to their Midnight Madness. Which one is the stupidest, <laughs> in your opinion? Thank you for the call, Chris. There's some great options there. That's outstanding. I think the one that uh, that I really shook my head about the most was Richard Sherman. More than Snoop in Kansas? Yes. Oh, God, no. He goes out there before a game, shakes the guy's hand, then after the game claims he didn't shake the guy's hand, or the guy wouldn't shake his hand. Blew that way out of proportion, like you said. It ends up on ESPN. It's all over the country that Mayfield is, a you know, again, snobby, bad guy, whatever the case may be, until the tape, until they get the video, and all of a sudden they realize that, oh, he really did shake his hand, and then, you know, now Sherman's got to go backpedal through all this. Like you said, ESPN or whoever it was that has been talking about that for days was wrong the entire time. So, I mean, that's, I, I don't know how, I mean, he's a smart guy. Sherman's a smart guy. Is he? I don't know how you can forget. Or even if you did forget, you would say to yourself, you know, I can't remember if you, if we shook hands or not. Yeah, it's like Versus, I can't. hey, he didn't shake my hand. I stuck it out there and he didn't. I'm going, give me a break. Yeah, it's like I can't remember if the person at the restaurant we went to dinner last night was good service. But if it was bad service, I would remember the fact that it was bad service, you know. I mean, to me, it just makes Richard Sherman look like a liar. Oh, it makes and him I, look And awful. I think he is a liar, so I, right. that doesn't surprise me. Kansas basketball is in the middle of an NCAA investigation. The head coach did a video promoting Snoop Dogg and was wearing an Adidas shirt with a gold chain. Snoop Dogg came out and shot fake money into the crowd out of a money gun. They had strippers on poles during Midnight Madness, and their excuse after the fact was, well, we were told it was going to be family-friendly? you got to be kidding me. That's stupid because that could get you more in trouble with the NCAA who just decides punishments when they, the way, which way they roll out of bed. And the best was Snoop Dogg went on the Howard Stern Show. Oh, Snoop, what do you know? He goes, I had a great time. He said, when you pay for Snoop Dogg, you're going to get Snoop Dogg. <laughs> He said the audience was enjoying themselves. Something to that. And he said that he just thinks that Kansas pretended like they weren't expecting all that because the the backlash came out, so they pretended like they didn't. I love that. <laughs> love that about Snoop Dogg. Back to your questions for the GM next. 615-737-1025. Give me another batch of calls. 615-737-1025. Best call win a pair of Thomas Rhett tickets at Bridgestone Arena. 
coming up on Saturday. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025 again. Ask the GM is presented by Bob Stega. Chat bounce, pillow windows in Nashville. One line open if you want to snag it. 615-737-1025. Best call for the GM. We'll win a pair of tickets to see Thomas Rhett at Bridgestone Arena. Meanwhile, Sturgill is up next on Ask the GM. Sturgill, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, GM. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Outstanding. Uh, uh, that's what I like to hear, Floyd. Uh, I, I just got a – my question is about the Saffold guy. I, I I just don't think he's any good anymore. I just – I think the Rams just let him go, and we just got him. I just don't think he's as much up to him anymore. If you, if you think that, could we get out of his contract next year? I'll hang up a list. Thanks, Sergeant. You know, I think – and don't hold me to his numbers, but it seems like – uh, he signed a $44 million contract with $22 million of it guaranteed. Now, I don't know what that guarantee is. If the guarantee is like a signing bonus and a first year of the contract, yeah, you can get out of it, and it probably wouldn't cost you anything. Now, if it is, if it is uh, you know, a three-, four-, five-year and there are guarantees that run throughout the contract, then for you to get out of it, it's going to be costly. Um, and, and I really have no idea how it's structured. But I'll say this. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too quick to judge him yet. I mean, I think he, you know, his history, you, you don't drop off a cliff as fast as, as, you know, he's looking right now. And he has been a solid, solid Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber, both guard and tackle for a number of years. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm confident he'll turn it around, that he and Taylor will get this thing together and they'll become effective. So Ian says, according to Spotrac, that apparently you could get out in 2021. At that point, he would have uh, a 4.75 dead cap hit. So you probably stuck with him for two years. Okay. Which is not good, but is what it is. And he would know. Todd is up next on Ask the GM. Presented by Bob Steg and Chop House and Pella when is in Nashville. Todd, you're on with the GM. Hey, guys. How you doing? So um, I've been a Dodger fan since 72. I've been a Cowboys fan since uh, 71-ish. Um, my question for Floyd is, Floyd... Why do you still have hair? Working with Jared every day. That's Todd. I, I, I guess he doesn't probably, have hair. I just I mean, trying to say, you probably haven't seen me. I don't have any hair. But you didn't have <laughs> so, hair 20 years ago. No, I haven't had hair for a long time. It's not his fault. Uh, but uh, you know what? It's interesting because when we started this whole thing, it was kind of like, you know, here are these two opposites. And I think everybody, including us, were kind of wondering how this is going to work out. Uh, and the truth is, it's it's as much as we bicker and fight and go back and forth. I mean, it's once the show's over, we're done and and we go home as buddies, you know. So it's we're not having any trouble. No, I'd say it's pretty cool. Plus, I feel like you know the more that we've gotten to know each other's families, I feel like your family likes you and, and Sally a lot more than they like me. 
And I feel like your family seems to like me a lot more than you like me. So, you know, I think it's all, it all there's something out. to that. Yeah. Let's go to John, who's up next on Ask the GM. John, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, guys. Hey, Floyd, I've been wanting to ask you this question for a long time. And I just, because I always hear the debate, the discussion. But in your all your years, your experience, your time in the NFL and everything, was there, can you think of a, a players from, the past years, I mean, let's go back to your time with the Niners, you know, all the time in the NFL, but are there players from the past era that you think if, if given, you know, if they could be the way they were then in today's NFL, would there still be a couple guys or guys that you would pick out and say, this guy would still be a superstar, would be legendary in, in this day and age at the top of his game, and I... I know it's tough to compare the conditioning and the equipment and everything else, but just with the guys you've coached and come across over the years, there are a couple that stand out like that. And I'm going to hang up and listen, guys. Thanks, John. You know, there there probably is, yes. Um, but given that, I mean, the difference in the two games from years ago and the way it is now is incredible. Years ago, the players were much tougher mentally and physically it was a brutal game it was not there really wasn't much pretty about it uh and and you know being tough and being physical and and being those kinds of things was absolutely the most important now the game is very uh skilled very very highly skilled the players now can you know they're much faster they jump much higher they they are built much better they are conditioned much better they are uh you know all of the physical things that the individual athlete has to have to be a uh, to be a pro player well that's i mean you see that all now skill sets are off the charts i think if there's a couple that would fit into now it would probably be guys that are playing, um, I don't know how to phrase it, it's just smart kind of positions. I play, or I coached a guy named Paul Krause who set the NFL record for interceptions. Paul had no ability, but his instincts and the things <laughs> that he could do were phenomenal. And so I think he would have a chance to go in the game nowadays. And if he could make it out of camp, that he would have a chance to get into games and surprise people. Uh, I just chuckled out loud. You're like, hey, what the NFL and interceptions, NFL record, he had no ability. I yeah. mean, he probably had a little ability for it. <laughs> I mean, probably a little bit. And I have no idea who you're even talking about. Carl is up next on Ask the GM. Carl, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Carl. Whoops, Carl. Oh, and he has difference between tackles, and I want to know that. Thank you, Carl. It's a difference between tackles. I think he's talking about the difference between the left tackle and the right tackle, and I actually want to know that because, like, a guy like Kelly plays both tackles, but Conklin is strictly a right tackle, and Taylor is strictly a left tackle, and I want to know what the difference between a right tackle and left tackle is. Yeah, generally speaking, in my opinion, the left tackle is the athlete. The left tackle, you've got to have great feet. You've got to have great balance. You've got to have great hand use. You've got to be 
um, physical, but not overpowering. You've just got to be strong enough, big enough, that you can stop a power rush kind of thing. The right tackle is more the the beast. He is a bigger, thicker, heavier. Feet aren't quite as good, but they're not bad. Balance not quite as good, but not, you know, not bad. But when it comes to knocking somebody off the ball, when it comes to being really, really physical, then they can do that. And they are, um, you know, they are. And and I think if you look at, at the tackles that I worked with when I was, you know, John Runyon on one hand, John Runyon was 6'7", you know, 330 pounds and just nasty as you could imagine. The other, our left tackle was Brad Hopkins. And Brad had, was a phenomenal athlete, not near as tall, not near as heavy, but much, much more athletic. Then we go out, we get Michael Roots. Michael was very, very athletic, great basketball player in college who ended up being our left tackle. And uh, big country, David Stewart, was our right tackle, who, again, was 6'7", 340 pounds, just a big old hulk of a man. Um, so I think that's that's kind of my two, the, the two de- the biggest differences for me. Ask the GM, presented Bob Steg at Chop House in Pella Winters in Nashville. If you missed your chance to get in with the GM next Thursday at 5 o'clock will be your chance. Coming up next, the Predators have played three games. They play their fourth tonight against Washington. Then they finally go out on the road. When can we get a feel for what we're looking at? We'll discuss. Plus, I've got a couple observations I've seen. We'll get to all of those coming up next. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Do you feel as as this homestand goes along that you're seeing what you wanted to see in, in this first week or so here? Yeah, I mean, it's been, I think at the beginning of the year, it's never one thing that you're just looking at trying to fix it's a you know it's a bunch of different things I thought we I thought defensively we gave up too much on the rush the other night for one reason um, you know last game I thought we gave up too much from the offensive zone for a different reason so things that we you know just continually try to cross off and, and get better at um, offensively we've been able to you know find some goals and find some success and um, but you know continue to work at things defensively that was Peter Lavulette today. Predators and Capitals tonight, 7 o'clock. This has got to be hard for you, Floyd, to kind of put yourself in, say, Lavulette's shoes or a hockey coach's shoes as far as, you know, deciding what is important about the early season and what's not. Because in the NFL, all that matters when you play 16 games is winning the 16 games. Right. You know, what do we have to do to beat Denver this week? Then what do we have to do to beat, you know, Seattle next week is kind of the, uh, you know, the way it's in the NFL. And this, I'm like, what do we make of what we're looking at right now with the Predators? Like, what really matters as far as the Predators are concerned? Like, what do you take away from the early part of the season and say, okay, that's important? And then what else is it chalked up to? It's October. You know, what if they get hot this time of year, who cares? Like, if they reel off 10 in a row, who cares? Because it ain't going to matter come April that you won 10 in a row in October. 
So where where are we on what matters and what we're kind of like is October and will be left in October? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, like you said, I'm not sure. I don't know what, what is. I, I mean, I look at these first few games anyway as kind of their preseason. You know, this is their their feeling, and, and this is what worries me, and I don't mean this ugly, but this is what worries me about the NFL. You know, you with only 16 games, you don't have time to feel out a bunch of stuff. You know, you've got to kind of – that's why our offensive line is in such turmoil because we're feeling out a rookie guard. We're feeling out a left tackle. We're, we're feeling out a new left guard, and, and that leads to problems. Um, so, but I think, I think he's probably, like he said, he's probably looking at a dozen different things. You know, how do I like this guy playing here? How do I like that second line? How do I like what we're doing? Uh, and, and so he's making a zillion different uh, decisions, you know, almost on a nightly basis. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a task. So like, I'll use this for example, in that clip, LaViolette said, you know, one night we're focused on this. The next night we're focused on that. In the NFL, you don't have time for that. You don't have time to, you know what, today we're going to work on the corners and tomorrow we're going to work on the running backs and we don't have time to work on that. Like, to me, Matt Duchesne's pretty good. Like, that's the takeaway I have early in the season is this guy makes things happen. You know, he may not be scoring goals right now, and I'm sure he'll get his along the way. But he makes things happen. Did you see Forsberg's reaction when he scored the other night? He's got, what, six assists in six or seven, yeah. three games. I mean, he, Forsberg scored and turned right around and pointed a finger right at DeShane like, hey, you're the man. And so that I take away. The power play looks so much better. Oh, my God, does it look better. That I feel like is a legitimate takeaway is that the power play looks better and is kind of getting results, but definitely looks a lot better. Uh, that that I can take away. The goalies look the same. That I think is a fine takeaway. It's it's just I think I think the thing though, and Chris, we brought this up, and and it's like we were talking about. You know, Soros plays a game and doesn't play well. Pekka plays last night, or a couple nights ago, whenever it was, and played really well, but but stood on his head a little bit. You know, I mean, he he had to play. And so, I, I mean, one of the questions I have is how this new scheme is going to affect the goalies. Because I can see us, I mean, the truth is, I can see us scoring more goals. I can see us giving up more goals. Oh, yeah, they're giving up more goals and, now. And that's, that's I mean, and, you know, we were, we had those games where we, we struggled because we knew we weren't going to have the offensive firepower that the team we were playing. And even though our offensive firepower is going to triple or whatever it's going to do, is that going to be good enough against the teams that have been playing this scheme for a few years and have, you know, a ton of firepower? And I just don't know the answer to that. And on top of it, how many guys are stuck in the old scheme and how many guys are going to be able to yeah. make a difference in the new scheme? I mean, no offense, Kyle Terrace didn't play a lot of defense in the old scheme. How is he going to play defense now? Yeah, and there, and the truth is there may be a number of guys that that just can't make that transition, and and it may affect you know them and their career. 
So, again, I mean, like, even if the Preds won 10 in a row, I'm not sure I'd get all that excited about it. Is that wrong to not feel like, you know, hey, a win's a win, and every point you get in October is the same as a point you get in April or March? Or is it like, hey, once we get to February, then, you know, address the deficiencies and decide and then go on your 10-in-a-row run? And then, like, that's how I feel about it. Well, and I think, I mean, even though every point does matter, we know that when it comes to the end of the year. From a standing standpoint, you know, you don't look at it that way now. You look at it as more along the lines, in my opinion, as more along the lines of, okay, let's get good. And as we're getting good, maybe we can, you know, um, maybe we can get a bunch of points along the way. But if we're not winning every game, it's not the end of the world. Now, later on in the year, we all know that changes. How excited are you tonight to get to see Ovechkin and Washington and those guys? Because oh, they don't usually play them very often. No, yeah. So I'd rather play like Eastern Conference teams now, get excited about it. But, I mean, I, I like to see. And you know what? If the defense is really as much of a mess as Crispy and Hal Gill have not said but have Insinuated? Yeah. I mean, yeah. is that not the feeling you've gotten from talking to those two guys? They ain't, they're not happy about the defense right now? No concern. Yeah. Isn't a guy like Ovechkin, isn't he going to be the guy, kind of guy that exposes it just uh, makes I'm, you look like a moron? I would imagine there's a good chance of that, yeah. So that's kind of the exciting thing. So I came up with four things I think are legitimate things uh, that I, I have, like, four takeaways from the start of the season. And I know it's only three games, but I can count these – as things I actually have as takeaways. So we'll start with my first big takeaway so far this year. Number one. Mikhail Granlin might actually be pretty good. You know, they traded for Granlin from Minnesota last year, and Floyd, you remember as much as anybody, we had never heard of Mikhail Granlin. We were like, who's that? And Ryan was like, oh, yo, Granlin's a player. He's going to be an asset. He's going to be great on the power play. He's going to do this, that, the other. Granlin's going to make a difference. And Granlin did absolutely nothing except accidentally scoring the game-winning goal in Game 3 against Dallas last year, which happened to be, I believe, your last win of the season. He did nothing. And I remember I, I was ready to throw Granlin onto the pile of Santarelli, Franzen, Turris, J.P. Uh, Parento, or what? P.A. Parento. You know, I was ready just to throw him over there onto that pile. But now that he's playing with Forsberg and Deshane, Mikhail Granlin Floyd looks like a player. Yeah. I mean, he's been productive, been active. I mean, I thought uh, I thought he's he made a bunch of plays uh, the other night. So I mean, just, you, he, you know, he would go into games last year and you really wouldn't know he was out there. I think that's one thing this offense is doing for these guys is they now, you notice them. You know, they're making plays, they're taking shots, they're doing whatever it is they're doing. That takes me to my second takeaway. Number two. Number two for me is Dante Fabro's just fine. You know, we wondered, all right, is he going to be okay as a top four defenseman? And even though all signs pointed to yes, you really hadn't seen the guy do it. And while he still needs to do it for an entire season before you really get on board with it, to your point about noticing somebody, I haven't really noticed Fabro, which is a good thing when you play defense. And you're right. I mean, I haven't noticed him at all. 
and you're also right. I mean, it's yeah, that's probably a good thing. So, you know, that's that we, you know, you just it's that right back to that defensive issue that we were talking about before. So we'll see how that works out. And I I I really like Dante Fabro. He's got speed. He's got some size. Uh, I'm sure at some point he's going to get goosed like a rookie because that's what happens to rookies is they get goosed like a rookie. But as of right now, I hadn't had that problem. So I'm encouraged with uh, with Dante Fabro so far. It takes me to my third takeaway. Number three. Kyle Turris is better on the fourth line than he was on the first or second line. And I don't know if it's because we expect less for him on the fourth line or if the new system is perfect for him or what. I have no idea, Floyd. But he looks so much better on the fourth line than he ever did playing a top six role here. I I would agree. I mean, he jumped out and did something, you know, the third game that it took him, uh, I don't know, a bunch of games last year before he ever got to a point that you had confidence in him that way. So I, I, I just hope it continues. I hope he... I hope he finds a way to light it up, and I hope he feels good about that. I think the question becomes, can you have a $6 million fourth-line center? You know? And the answer to that is no. Right. And that takes us to my final takeaway. Number four. The power play is going to be fine with Matt Deshane. The question is, how much better does that make you? If you're giving up more goals, but you're getting goals on the power play, how much better does that make you? Does it make you around better? Does it make you 10 wins better? Does it make you four wins better? How much better does it make you? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that you're better on the power play, thanks in large part to Matt Deshane, who is a player. Yeah, and I don't know the answer to it either. I mean, I think only time will tell us that because because we're going to see um, good seeing you. We're going to see... Um, the power play, you know, over time. And and it's like everything else. The power play is when, if in fact, you're effective and you're doing well and you're, you know, all of a sudden doing in the league, you're among the, the elite. Well, other teams are going to adjust to that too, you know. Now they're going to be saying, okay, this is what they like to do and where do you go from there? So that's probably one of the reasons they brought in the, the new coach and, and let him, you know, put it together. I'm sure he's got all kinds of counters. Predators Capital, 7 o'clock, right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. What would you just say? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Predators uh, Capitals tonight. That's actually my fault. My dad showed up, so we said hey to him, and so that's, you know. But Predators Capitals tonight, 7 o'clock. Predators game day is next. Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. First, let me make sure. That I'm not supposed to tell anybody something I'm not supposed to tell anybody. Uh, oh, yeah. Celebrate the grand opening of the brand-new state-of-the-art Ford Ice Center facility in Bellevue Saturday at 2 o'clock. There'll be giveaways, free food, free public skate, kids' activities, plus Nash and the Predators Energy Team will be there. That's the grand opening celebration of the new Ford Ice Center in Bellevue at 76, 7638B, Highway 70 South, this Saturday at 2 o'clock. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025, the game. Selling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's game day in Smashville. Brought to you by T.J. Anderson Homes and Geno's East. Winter 
Peter Laviolette's keys to the game. Who will be in and out of the lineup? It's time to break it all down on Jared and the GM on your flagship home of Smashville. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Predators game day powered by T.J. Anderson Holmes and Geno's East. Geno's East. Get a historic slice of Chicago deep dish tradition before or after the game. Geno's East on the corner of 3rd and Korean Vets. Info at genoseast.com backslash Nashville. Tonight, Predators and Capitals, 7 o'clock. ESPN 1025, the game. Get excited. The voice of the National Predators, Pete Weber, will have the call. We start off with a coach's take, powered by T.J. Anderson Homes. Your road to real estate starts at tjandersonhomes.com. Peter Laviolette, what has been most encouraging through the first three games for the Preds? I think the fact that we've been able to score some goals, whether it be five on five or the power play, our guys seem to be on the attack and really trying to uh, push forward and push north and get into the offensive zone and bring pucks to the net. Um, i got to give San Jose a little bit of credit. I thought they played a a good game there. They peppered us for the second period, and then even parts of the third period they were humming, trying to, you know, get on the board with a win. So you got to give them credit for the way they played, even though they didn't win the game. So I think there's room for improvement for us coming off of that game. Um, but the fact that we're pushing offensively, um, you know, I like to see that. Well, when you talk about it all off season and then you finally do it for the first three games, I would say that that is the most encouraging thing that you could be excited about if you're the coach. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, we we've seen a lot of times in a lot of different sports that that doesn't always happen. You know, what you've worked on, what you want to do, and what you've designed doesn't necessarily it looks good on the board doesn't necessarily translate to the ice so it is nice to see it see it working meanwhile oh by the way i heard on the broadcast yet uh from the nbc sports network broadcast the guy was like you know pierre if it wasn't talking about matt duchene the other thing that they spent a lot of time talking about here in nashville over the offseason was the power play and i was like yes those were the only two things we spent any time talking about. <laughs> That's right. And honestly, those are the only two things we really spent time talking about now. We take a look at the lineup for the Predators tonight. A change to be made. Craig Smith goes off the first line all the way to the fourth line. Callie Yarncroke, who has had a quiet start of the season so far. Callie Yarncroke moves up to the first line. Yarncroke, Johansson, Arvidsson. Forsberg, Deshane, Granlin. Sisson, Benino, Watson. And Daniel Carr will make his first appearance. Daniel Carr, Kyle Turris, and Craig Smith. Rocco Grimaldi will exit the lineup today as Daniel Carr goes in there. And I got to say, I watched Daniel Carr play in the preseason, and I didn't see anything special. He's going to play tonight, but I'm not really expecting to see anything special. But every time David Poyle talks about the guy, you can tell he's excited about him. He wants him out there. He wants to see him because... He's been able to be an elite scorer at every level he's played at and was the AHL MVP last year and has just been dynamite everywhere he's been except in the National Hockey League. <laughs> you mean the only place that counts? The only place we give a rat's tail about. And so it takes me back to the theory, like you, you've ever heard of the term quad A player? Guy's too good for AAA, but he can't cut, cut it in the majors? Yeah. I think this is like the moment of truth for Daniel Carr. Like, is he going to be 
Is he a quad A player, or is he going to be able to hack it up here? Well, it's going to be interesting. I thought Grimaldi, I mean, he was even more obvious than I. I thought he and and Sissons both were more obvious than I had seen them in in prior years in this new offense, new offensive system. Um, but getting back to, to Carr, I mean, I don't really know that. My, I know he's been around. Uh, I, I mean, he's he's not a rookie. And so I, I, I think it's, uh, you're probably right. I'm not sure it is do or die, but it's got to be getting close to that. And, and, you know, if you can't do it in this situation, then, you know, probably you're not going to get a lot more chances. No. No, I don't think so. I think at that point, I feel like that you know you're kind of you're kind of stuck in that regard. Meanwhile, for the Predators, we take a look at the standings in the NHL Central Division, where of course it every year seems to be some kind of a war. For the Predators, they're currently in third place, tied with Colorado. Colorado's only played two games; they're two and zero. They've got four points. The Predators have four points. The Jets are 2-2 two and two in four games. They have four points. Uh, meanwhile, St. Louis leads the way at 2-0-1. They've got five points. Dallas has two, and the Blackhawks have only played one game. How are the Predators playing a fourth game tonight, and the Blackhawks have only played one game? Amazing, isn't it? The Bla- and you know what? That means the Blackhawks are going to be behind you in terms of playing games the whole season. So yeah. they'll be like, oh, there's Chicago's only played 53 games, and the Predators have played 58 games, and so... But the Blackhawks have played one game. They lost it. They have no points. And Minnesota in two games is 0-2, and they have no points for whatever you want to make of that inside the Central Division. Again, as far as all that's concerned, call me at U.S. Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, when we get to U.S. Thanksgiving, call me, and then I'll start to, you know, care or learn or worry about a division or think about a division or, you know, all of the above. Floyd, tonight. As part of what is a very interesting three-tier night in sports, you got the baseball playoffs, uh, Game 5, the Astros and the Rays, where I'm guessing you're probably rooting for the Astros. You've got the Patriots on Thursday night football. That game will be over by halftime. And you've got tonight's Preds and Capitals game. What are you looking for? 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 102.5. You know what? this, This team is a little bit better. You know, this group we're playing tonight is a little bit better than the ones we faced and I'm kind of excited to see the area that we've probably talked most about over the last couple of days, which is our defense in this new scheme. They've got some people, unfortunately, on this team, on Washington's team that can that can score. And so, if there's a hole in this defense or this the the scheme or the player or the whatever, then there's a chance it'll be exposed tonight. And I'm kind of interested to see how that works out. Ovechkin versus the Predators. We'll see it all unfold tonight right here on ESPN 1025. The game, the voice of the National Predators, Pete Weber, alongside of Hal Gill, will have that call. We are out of here. Coming up next, pregame. Darren McFarlane will get you ready for Preds and Caps. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025. The game.